Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, Dr. Santos here, pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. Santos, do you know what season it is? Oh yeah, we're getting from uh, late summer to early fall. Uh, now that the climate has completely gone on its head, I think we just call that forever summer. Well, in Chicago, we call it our two weeks of fall, and I'm very excited because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that happens in that two weeks. Oh, that's oh, you're absolutely right. You so, uh, and of course, you know when when I was back in Chicago and and the rest of the Midwest as well, you get, uh, you know, horribly hot, sweltering summer <laughs> with occasional, you know, those crazy summer storms with hail and. You can't really go out. Then you get a little bit of fall, like a little bit of reasonable things. And then, you know, old man winter comes in and beats the crap out of you. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what you mean. As long as it's not that gray, moody fall, if it's that beautiful, you know, sunshiny leaves crackling under your feet as you walk your dog along Lake Michigan kind of fall. Any day now, you're going to turn your head and the leaves will change color and yeah. you better not blink. Don't yeah. blink. <laughs> this is also our, our friends out in New England know about this too, because all the people from the big city go out to the country to watch the leaves turn. So my love for Spooktober has been well documented, but it's not the only fall thing that takes place. There's stuff mm -hmm. like apple picking and contact sports. Oh, <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I thought you were going to go in a a little bit of a different direction. I know you've got your, your axe throwing and your wood carving as well, which are hard. Well, of course, activities. flannel, lumberjacking, <laughs> classic fall activities and garments. I got to say, though, if you see an axe flying at you, that is only slightly more intimidating than seeing, say, insert player name of the bears <laughs> rushing down at you. Yeah, Roquan Smith. Yeah, if you have 250, 300 pounds, uh, six foot six of large, powerful, but also agile human being just running right downhill in your face, ready to pop you one. Absolutely. I, I, I might take the axe. I'm going to be very upfront. I am not, in general, a knowledgeable sports person. It is my weakest category in bar Ooh. trivia. Oh my gosh. I know, I know, you're shocked. <laughs> Despite my impressive knowledge of MMA fighters, when it comes to the remainder of sports that don't involve just hitting someone in the face, I'm <laughs> at a loss. But rollerball. Oh yeah, James Kahn. Absolutely. Um, so I figured we would dedicate this episode to all the things involved in the medicine and medical care 
of America's most favorite foot fall sport, football. Woo! American football, not soccer. <laughs> Sorry, Europe. Oh no. Oh no. Wait, European folks, don't worry. We're honestly and truly we're not going to delve into the weird oddities of this game. We're going to talk about the health of the players. We're going to talk about the weird oddities in their healthcare. Yeah. So, this episode is going to be dedicated to American football. Santosh are you ready for some foosball? <laughs> oh, foosball. All right, let me get my wrist guard on and my cup. That's right. <laughs> because the last thing you want is a concussion anywhere. <laughs> Man, I I really worry about it though. As as good as you try to be, you know, when you're trying to do the foosball around there, I'm talking about real foosball now. I still worry that someone across from me on the other side of the foosball is going to take those goddamn shafts and just wham, and my groin is going to be in the wrong spot. It's, I live in mortal fear. You got to be fast on your feet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. But when it comes to the gridiron, it yeah. seems it seems impossible to believe, at least yeah. for me and maybe others who are not you know, who are equally sports confused, but football actually used to be even more dangerous than it is today. Like players, <laughs> players just town. straight up died. Yeah. Yeah. In um, the, in the 1905 season alone, 18 players, Super Bowl shuffled right off the mortal coil. <laughs> One year, just a single season. And by the way, there were not nearly as many football players then in total as there are now. It wasn't really a backyard sport a ton. We had college, and then we had young people going into professional sports, which was not at all well compensated at that time, Josh. And so this was a, a huge percentage, actually, and it made for one of the most like lethal athletic activities um, yeah, you're United talking States. about students. That's the season I'm talking about. 1905, mm -hmm. 18 players, all students, because this is before the NFL was created. Right. So three of them were college, the rest in high school. And oh. America at that point began debating, maybe it's not such a good idea to have kids kill each other for our entertainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it took us a few hundred years in you know, human history to figure that out, you know, that we don't want gladiators and stuff uh, in, you know, in that regard, like the, you know, stabbing with the sword. Um, yeah, it, it was a good idea to get civilized. Mm -hmm. uh, Theodore Roosevelt even addressed it when he gave a commencement address at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And he said, brutality in playing a game should awaken the hardiest and most plainly shown contempt for the player guilty of it. And schools said, Loud and clear, Mr. President, and began eliminating all the football programs. No, God. <laughs> yeah. At which point, at which point, Teddy Roosevelt was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, let's not, <laughs> let's not yeah. go crazy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, and that's why we named him the Teddy Bears. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We'll see how many. How many terrible puns of uh, team names I can slip into the episode? Well, yeah, and given that you are in Chicago and the only team you know are the Bears, all of this is going to be kind of very Bears-centric. No, no. no. Oh. I, can, I can also make my puns with Porpoise, uh, okay. another uh. name for the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll stop horsing around. <laughs> That's the Broncos or the Colts, if you like baby horses. Absolutely. Um, I actually, Josh, one of my favorite jokes from Dimitri Martin um, was absolutely, I don't really like sports, but I'd love for like to see the mascots of the individual sports teams actually fight each other. Like, oh, two guys in football or 11 on 11 football. Eh, but come on. Like Broncos versus Bears? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Lightning versus Magic? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, this is before the age of mascots. And oh. so, and so again, you know, you have students essentially dying on the fields. America saying, all right, uh, we hear you. Too brutal. Mm -hmm. And then Teddy Roosevelt said, well, that's, that's not quite what I meant. 
And when he heard that Harvard, the very school he gave the speech at, his alma mater, yeah. was planning on abolishing football, he calls the idea, classic Teddy Roosevelt, doing the baby act. <laughs> Just uh, crying. There were several reasons why he was upset about this. Harvard at that time, they're not known as a power football school right now in college football, but they were one of the founding schools of American football, and they were extremely good. They were considered the best. Josh, this was also at a time when they were trying to incorporate Native Americans um, into schools and programs which were traditionally closed off to anybody of color. Um, but Teddy, on top of, you know, liking football and enjoying it, he thought that this was a very important way to get Native Americans integrated into white culture, European culture. And so he really thought that this was not just necessary, well, not just important, but absolutely necessary. So that's why he was so pissed when he said, stop killing people. And they were like, okay, stop football. <laughs> and so... This led to the introduction of a number of rules changes and reforms mm -hmm. to make the president happy. Yeah. That's how we ended up with things like the helmet and the forward pass. Yeah, yeah. So when you were talking about death, Josh, th uh, this was skull fracture. Like this wouldn't be like, you know, somebody would get hurt and internal injury. That No, no. They would bash heads and break their skulls and then break their brain. Like it was scary. And you have the Australians over here playing rugby going... Yeah. <laughs> well, but headshots in there, anything to the head and neck is highly illegal. Well, let's let's talk about now that we know that this is the point, early 1900s, when we began introducing safety measures. Yes. Let's talk about where we are today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's changed a ton, right? Back then, football was just it was all running. The forward pass, you know, had yet to be invented. And you basically just had large people in very short fields just smashing into each other to try to advance the ball by just shoving against each other as fast as they could. Fast forward to the forward pass being invented, special teams, people running full speed across the field, 20, 30 yards, and picking up momentum and then slamming into each other you can imagine how much harder that hit is and how dangerous that is. Do you know how football players get examined today during the draft or when they're recruited? Like how familiar are you with the with the process? Uh, I actually don't know. I'm I'm sure they get a general sports physical and even in professional ranks when a player is traded or acquired they do have to pass a like a bare minimum physical type of uh uh examination but the rest of it in terms of you know football ready health i'm actually not so sure well uh packers your bags we're gonna jets off to where <laughs> giants of the sport are examined oh so good you're really ramming the point home we are washington commanding this room <laughs> now uh, the training season or the medical examination season starts every February at the NFL combines. Yeah. And where... in this case, it's not a giant tractor like thing. It's uh, people combining, like getting together and stuff. What? Oh, hold on. <laughs> not shuffling notes <laughs> over here. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's called the combine. It's, it's such a weird name for that, but yeah, that's, you basically get to have a bunch of college players. Well, I'll tell you exactly why, or at least by the end of this oh. episode, you should know. Ooh, cool. Okay. Or be able to make a reasonable inference. Okay, gotcha. Um, so we're going to be examining 350 players in preparation for the upcoming NFL draft in April. The president of the NFLPS, the NFL Physician Society, yeah. uh -huh. which I love the the acronym in the acronym. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Who at the moment is the professor of orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. Mm -hmm. um, the combine exam focuses on more than just the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. 
Instead <laughs> of a single doctor engaging with you on a personal level, imagine interacting with a panel of doctors. So like you go to your general practitioner, your mm-hmm. primary care physician, only you step into the room and it's not your primary care physician. It's not even your primary care physician and a student or resident. It's 16 primary care physicians. What? <laughs> um, All right. So head, shoulders, <laughs> knees, toes, appendix. <laughs> Side of elbow. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I mean, that it, little space not... between your thumb and your index finger. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of that single doctor engaging with you on a one-to-one level, you're interacting with a panel of doctors who, from the point of view of one football player, the chief goal is to find something or anything wrong with you that could prevent you from entering the draft. The oh, medical... God. The medical staff from all 32 NFL teams are represented during the exams, and evaluations are typically made by multiple physicians ensuring a consensus. So if one doctor is satisfied after examining a particular draftee, there's nothing to say another doctor might feel differently. So you won't necessarily slip by the attention of everyone because maybe your home city really wants to recruit you and might overlook a certain injury. Whereas another city will, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's lions and Bengals over here. (laughs) Oh my. Tearing you back and forth. Lions (laughs) and Bengals and Panthers. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. This is still a business, right, Josh? And, And these folks, these young men, these kids, they really want to play football and they want to be ready. So unfortunately, there's an incentive for them to try to slip stuff by because they want to hide any problems that there might be. Okay. And then likewise, on the other side of the table, the negotiating table, there are going to be these interested teams. And there might be the occasional person who's being not so scrupulous or not so careful and saying, you know, for the Panthers, for instance, they say, oh, you know, they have a little bit of something in their spine or their leg or whatever, or their medical history, but I'm going to let him go because our team really wants to acquire this young man. We want to draft him. And it's super important in that case to have the redundancy and saying, no, sir, or ma'am, that's not okay. And I, I think it's absolutely wonderful that they're taking such good care of these folks, but it has to be acknowledged that these kids are also like a multi-million dollar investment. So uh, the same way that you would inspect absolutely anything that you're going to get, keep, care for, and need to work for a long time, you're going to take the same kind of care with these young men. I mean, yeah, they're they're putting prices on their heads. I'd say at Mm -hmm. least a buccaneer. (laughs) Um, Now, it's not just the physicians of different teams, the head physician of different teams being represented, there are multiple parts to this exam. During Mm -hmm. the internal medicine exam, players are evaluated for any cardiovascular, kidney, liver, or lung problems. Now, you certainly want to know about a variety of things, but Mm -hmm. you want to focus on the ones that the organ systems that are going to end up being most at risk from a full contact sport. Um, So you're doing blood work, EKGs for certain players, stress tests, to determine if any undue stress from, you know, having to outrun somebody bearing down on you, some like panther of a man charging at you. (laughs) That one could have been a bear. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Bearing down on you like a buffalo, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, You know, all chargered up. (laughs) Um, and if a player is healthy, the evaluating internist basically puts together a report just like your primary care physician does. And then this is shared with the other teams. So the entire combine is one big office where your trading card may be passed among the different head coach and teams. I mean, I'd hope they'd have computers and iPads by now, <laughs> Not like paper reports that could just fly off. Oh, really? Into... I'm picturing they give it to some dude, like they just give a clipboard or a manila folder <laughs> to some dude, and then he goes through like the tires and then yeah. slams past the uh, uh, those giant posts and then hands it off at the end to like another nurse. Gosh, <clears throat> do you want to be the one responsible trying to interpret a couple of hundred different doctors scribbles 
on pieces of paper. <laughs> oh my God. No, no. I, I'm almost certain that right now it's all computerized. Um, not the least of which you want it to remain confidential outside of the, you know, inside of the combine. Um, so just to give you, uh, everybody who's listening, uh, a couple of ideas here, you know, these are amazing physical specimens and all that kind of a thing, right? Super big, fast, strong, all that kind of a thing. Well, there are folks in the NFL who are playing, they have migraines. Um, Jerome Bettis famously, uh, the, the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers had asthma. And so they're doing the physical exams, just like you're saying, but they're also combining or, or compiling a medical history. So finding out what the, this kid has gone through, what have they had, surgeries, past medical history, their active medications, and then also if they are following their doctor's advice and taking good care of themselves. That also feeds into this. All of this ends up going into a total internal medicine grade that the grading standard or rubric may be a little bit unique for each team. So what may give you an A for say the 49ers mm-hmm. um, wouldn't would be a B plus for the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody knows that Falcons are much more discriminating than 49ers. Well, the eyesight alone, <laughs> I mean, they can, they can yeah. see Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to figure out what the Raven is going to be in here, but it's it's going to be quoth something. But uh, well, the cardinal rule is you have to not expect the pun <laughs> when it arrives. <laughs> All right, if you're going to keep raidering me with these puns, <laughs> listen, Chief. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> you're being a giant pain in the ass right now. <laughs> A titan of one, in fact. But (laughs) this overall internal medicine grade gets factored into their overall medical grade. They've got this grade. They've got all of their workout stats and everything else like this. There is one other aspect medically that they also look at, which I don't know if we're covering today, but they call it the Wunderlich test, named after the doctor who comes up with it. And that's supposed to be, I think, an estimation of their intelligence. This grade gets factored into their overall medical grade, which is given to the team's general manager and head coach, and this is used when they make drafting decisions. So it's not just, you know, how fast can you run, how large are you, far can you throw, all of these things. It's also, well, you know, what's your overall heart condition? How, what's your lung capacity? You know, how, how good are your squishy bits? And it's not just the internal medicine side. It's the orthopedic evaluation, which focuses, of course, on the crunchy bits, the bones, the yeah. joints, and the rest of the musculoskeletal system. That's, that's what we are in football, squishy or crunchy. <laughs> Absolutely. So there is a saying amongst uh, coaches, coordinators, that the best ability in football is availability. So there is a a lot of emphasis placed on their high jump, their sprint and all of these other drills, as well as what folks see on their college tape on the, the actual film that they can collect together. But a injury report and a poor medical history or a poor medical score can often really impact a player's future because, yeah, they might be able to run, jump, catch all these things that they need to do, but, you know, they're prone to injury or whatever it is. And this has been a, a subject of discussion for some time as then, you know, is this discriminatory? Is there, you know, undue concern over here? So it isn't a straightforward estimation, but they're trying to do the best that they can. The orthopedic evaluation is even more intense than the physical exam or than the internal medicine exam, because oh. the internal medicine is maybe one doctor at a time. It may be a series of doctors, but it's one doctor at a time. The orthopedic evaluation starts with six exam rooms. Each exam room has six teams represented within it. 
Okay. Players go to each room and undergo an orthopedic history and exam. And I'm not actually going to make fun of my orthopedic colleagues because this is where they get their chance to shine. They have their x-rays, their imaging studies reviewed, um, and the information is all reviewed right then and there by the other doctors in the room. So linemen all get a souvenir. Well, it's not really a souvenir. Linemen all get a souvenir x-ray of their lumbar spine, which is the only mandatory x-ray for all the players to make sure they don't have a vertebral stress fracture. Oh, very, very huge. Absolutely. That needs to be evaluated in this manner because that type of fracture can be occult. There may not be a ton of symptoms that go along with it, except for occasional pain. And, you know, you're hurting all over when you're an intense athlete like this, especially in football. So sometimes pain, tightness, this kind of thing is ignored. So, yeah, you have to look for some things that, you know, that the patient may not complain about at all. And part of the reason the spine is so important is it houses the spinal cord. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which you take a bad hit and you're paralyzed, a paraplegic or quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. Which certainly has happened in in the past and even the recent past in football. So... Some players may have a very healthy orthopedic grade, but their internal medicine grade could be low because of a condition such as an arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. However, it's more common for a player's internal medicine grade to be high, but for their overall grade to be dropped from orthopedic problems, such as uh, knee injuries, tendon injuries. We'll talk about the kinds of injuries a little bit later in the episode. Mm -hmm. Now, Santoshi mentioned earlier the the Wonderlick test. Yeah, the Wunderlich test. So (laughs) this used to be very highly prized, especially amongst skill players. So uh, kids who would be playing quarterback, wide receiver on the defensive side of the ball if they were, uh, uh, you know, cornerbacks. So they really had to be very intuitive, quick about, um, you know, reading the schema before the play started and then during. So this was supposed to be something where when a person is studying the game, so you have all the practice on the field, but you're also in the film room and strategizing and learning how to play, um, how quickly the person, the, the uh, player would be able to grasp concepts, incorporate them in and then execute on the field. So I don't know how accurate it is because at least in recent uh, years, it's been found that it's not a very good proxy for all of these skills, but it was for a long time. It was a big deal, like what the Wunderlich score for a, a player was. Well, if you're curious and you want to know your own Wunderlich score, mm-hmm. you can uh, compare to Vince Young, who barely scraped by with a six, okay. to Pat McAnally, who has the only perfect score in league history. Wow. And you can go to footballiqscore.com <laughs> to take the test. I am not going to tell you my score, no. uh, but I may post it on Twitter later. We'll see. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair, fair. It's named for Eldon F. Wunderlich, who came up with it while he was a graduate student at Northwestern University in 1939. Yeah. <laughs> and the biggest thing with this is I have zero idea how well it was, you know, validated and all this kind of a thing. Um, intelligence tests in and of themselves are really, really difficult to, you know, to make sure that they're measuring what you want them to measure because intelligence is such a complex uh, and diverse trait with many different aspects. And there's certain type of intelligence that you want to see in a star football player, um, such as spatial reasoning um, and, you know, physical intuition, that kind of a thing. But, you know, I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know how they were able to be like, nope, that's, that's, that's a good score right there, which means they're going to be, a, you know, a wonderful strategist or, you know, whatever it is. It was actually ruled against by the Supreme Court. It made national news in 1971 when it said Duke Power Company's use of the test as a basis for promotion violated the Civil Rights Act. 
Wow. Okay. So, and that makes a ton of sense, right? So you're, you're trying to use this and there are going to be some aspects which are cultural in an intelligence test. Um, and there, there have been many examples in the past where it's been intentionally and unintentionally used these kind of intelligence or even personality tests to discriminate against people. So I'm glad that that happened. But the reason that millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It became so prevalent is Tom Landry, at the time head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, adopted it as his preferred measure of on-field intelligence, and he was such a titans of the industry the rest of the league quickly followed suit so once you have this overall score your internal medicine score your squishy bits your orthopedic (laughs) score your crunchy bits your intelligence score your thinky bits (laughs) okay you get an overall medical grade that's shared with the head coach of every team Mm -hmm. however as we said uh, each team has their own grading scale for players each medical team for the uh, shares their grades with their general managers, one that includes the athlete's name, position, school, relevant medical history, orthopedic history, and Wonderlic score and grade, and all this factors into drafting. Uh, the rare medical conditions will be brought to the attention of the appropriate specialist who will share their opinion essentially in like a grand rounds with all 32 teams. Cool. Okay. So a lot, a lot of people working together, compiling this information, and then sending it out as a report. There has been, over time, Josh, so much more data that's being gathered on each individual here that, of course, you have all the physicians and nurses and everything else who are working in the combine and evaluating these kids Uh, But the other flip side of this is the staffs on the organizational side. Okay, so for the individual teams, they've had to expand and expand and expand. You know, if you're trying to review, I don't know how many candidates that you think you might want to draft and you need to get this information, you know, well-reviewed, at least to say at minimum this so-and-so has passed all of these tests, like they're, they're deemed fit, then it's a monumental effort. And if you're not deemed fit, there's medical revisits, which are reserved for those who are currently undergoing treatment or have a surgery scheduled for a condition or may still be in rehab. So they might, a player might have their ACL repaired a week before the combine. So they're going to show up on crutches. Yeah, absolutely. And there have been kids in the past, uh, young men, where they had a wonderful senior season, but they unfortunately suffered uh, an ankle injury, a knee injury somewhere, you know, at the end of their college career and needed time to patch up. But they had such a spectacular three, four years in college. And it's quite obvious that if this person is given a break that they'll actually do really, really well. So that's what that revisit is for. And it's, it's really important. You know, there's someone who's torn a, a, an ACL and they need time to heal rehab and then actually get evaluated again with a, with a healthy knee. 
So when you're bringing together all these players and all these physicians of different specialties to examine them and all these teams to look at all these skills to a <laughs> single place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're combining everything. Or if you want to take the more strict agricultural one, it was where you would combine three separate harvesting processes into one. Reaping, threshing, winnowing, getting rid of all the chaff until you're left with just the good wheat. <laughs> yeah. and so it can there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it can definitely be a bit heartbreaking for some of these folks um, there are a lot of these athletes that are not only stars, but they're wonderful young people and they care deeply about this game and wanting to play. There's some of these folks who are multi, sorry, multi-sport athletes and they have a, a genuine, you know, this is their career. This is going to be their life. Um, and Josh, I like, I kind of think about it. Every now and again, it's like, what if we were, okay, Josh, you're, you're an amazing doctor. You've learned everything you need to. And by the way, we're put through the ringer you know, quite a bit. And then, you know, they like take us into a separate room where there's 15 physicians in there, like checking our heart and liver and everything else like that. <laughs> Go through and like, oh, this guy, this guy's got a bit of an arrhythmia. I don't think he's fit for doctor school. And I was like, oh, no. So it can be very, very scary and devastating. We've talked about the preseason or the draft. Yeah. What about during the year? And let's go ahead and flip the script and look at things from the physician side. So now we know what the players are going through. Player. At least at least in terms don't hate the player, Santosh. Hate. <laughs> I, I will never hate the player. Never. So, <laughs> um, but let's look at what things look like from the medical side. Okay. Uh, at every game, home teams will usually have three orthopedic surgeons and two internal medicine physicians on the sidelines okay. with a neurosurgeon, ophthalmologist, dentist, and anesthesiologist all immediately available. Right. Wow. That's just at every home game. Those are the hidden <laughs> doctors scattered throughout the field. You can play Where's Waldo with their specialties. <laughs> now, this wasn't always the case. And we had... Well, I should say the specialties are on call uh, <laughs> on any time there's a home game. They're not necessarily in the stands, although if they're fans of the team, they very likely will be. Yeah. And, you know, this really wasn't always the case. And this was the scary part about being, uh, you know, an, an NFL player. Like I said, it, it's a big deal to be a part of football on a professional level, billions of dollars changing hands. So for a coach or an owner of a football team, especially to go ahead and say, oh, you know, take this young man out of here. You know, he's concussed, obviously. But on the flip side, oh my gosh, all these folks came to pay money for this. If this person isn't playing, I'm going to lose ticket sales or ad sales or whatever this is. So there had to be kind of a coming together um, when we started learning more and more about injuries where the owners and the players got together. And, you know, this was written out in contract that there would be physicians who were approved of by the players association by all of the owners competent you know scrupulous doctors who would work with the highest amount of skill and ethics to evaluate injuries well because that final decision is does this person go back into the game or not and, you know, if they have to come off the field, then when are they healthy enough to play? And that really, we have to care for the patient, for the person, that's the thing. And there still has to be that thing, unfortunately, in mind, where it's like, all right, I know this is a money thing, but, you know, health first. In addition to all of these folks around who they keep for safety, the road team alone will still bring uh, two orthopedic surgeons and one medical physician, and that may be an intensivist. Extra physicians are there in case of multiple injuries or multiple players having to go or a doc having to go to the hospital with a player. Yeah, uh, ambulance, right. 
not to mention, one of the surgeons or physicians has to be present during every practice or come by after practice to assess injuries. Now, when you're a doc for the NFL, you're not just caring for the players, but also their families, their friends, and members of this entire organization. So you're pretty much on call 24-7. I don't know about you, Santosh, but I hated my (laughs) night shifts. You never have a moment when you're not on the pager. It's not just a Sunday afternoon position. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, to be very fair, football, American football runs in the fall and winter. Um, The season starts, uh, you know, either at the beginning of August or the beginning of September and bowl season and everything else really ends in February. So it is a limited amount of time where you're on call like that constantly. And you're right. It ends in February, right around the time the combine starts. (laughs) So this is, um, you know, this is where there does have to be a partnership and, you know, a little bit of handing off and things like that too. Don't get me wrong. They're very happily compensated. And the truth is the folks who do this kind of sports medicine, a lot of them have a deep passion for helping these kids, these men, you know, do well and perform at their very best. Some of the coolest orthopedic uh, procedures in order to get healing and all that kind of a thing. And then the science of rehab has advanced in crazy leaps and bounds, taking care of these, you know, absolute monsters um, of human beings, just, you know, you know, keeping them at their athletic peak. Yes, you're right. You have to have some respite or you would absolutely burn out so fast. Now, NFL physicians also play a role in the creation of the league recommendations, guidelines, and protocols for treatment of different injuries. What kind of injuries will sideline you for a couple hours? What kind of injuries will sideline you for a season? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and to in, to accomplish this, all injuries sustained by NFL players are entered into a giant database, the NFL Injury Surveillance System, which allows everyone with access to follow their injuries, treatment, and outcome trends over time. Which sounds like, at best, a questionable stretching of the borders of HIPAA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's a little scary to think about, but... Uh, you know, as much money and influence and everything else that's kind of being passed uh, between players and, and owners and, and, and the organizations and all this kind of a thing, um, it's a massive investment in these people's lives and health. So I, I can see why some of these things are being bent. And, you know, you're, you're a physician, I'm a physician, we take our Hippocratic Oath, and we say the patient comes first, no matter what else. I'm not going to put like the, you know, the score or something like that above my patient's health. Well, interestingly enough, Josh, sometimes the patient will turn to you and say, I know such and such is broken. I know this is hurting. Please give me... But I'm on Satosha's Fantasy League, and yeah. it's real important that I play this week. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. But I mean, <laughs> that kind of <laughs> that kidding aside, the the player themselves; these are very, very competitive human beings, right? And so they'll turn to a physician often and say, "Hey, please get me back out there. I I know that you know this is hurting for now. We'll fix it later. But you know, is there any way we can mitigate?" this with pain management or something like that. And so now, you know, you do have to have good guidelines and data sharing so that we are, we are caring for people and we're being good doctors while still working at this very extreme of human health. Now, if you're on the primary care physician side, what day do you think would be your busiest? Uh, all right. So it's changed a little bit because professional football used to really just be Sunday, Monday, but now we have Thursday night games as well. I'm guessing that like not prep for the game, but maybe the aftermath. Um, so I'm going to guess like either Monday night or Tuesday morning. 
Yeah, see, this is something that was news to me. So the busiest day typically occurs on Tuesdays because every week a team will lose two to ten players to injury, which will keep (laughs) them out for at least the following week. (laughs) Just think about that. My numbers may be a little wide, but I feel like my ranges are – I feel like I'm pretty on target with the range. Am I right, Sancho? Yeah, two to ten makes – yes, absolutely it makes sense. And you can – that's like a good middle range. Um, You can sometimes like, you know, go a a standard deviation. But when you're saying that like, oh, they're even going to be out like a game, that happens frequently, you know, for uh, what they would call minor injuries, what you and I would call death. (laughs) So therefore, if the players are out, the team needs to fill those spots with players from the bench or calling up that will be available to play the following Sunday. So they send two to 10 new players to the team doctor's office or surgery center for physicals every Tuesday. And those have to be done right away. So the new players can start working with the team in time for the game. Right. And so there are going to be players that are on the 52 man standing roster. That's that is the entire number that you're allowed to bring to a game is 52 people, um, players, um, you have those, you do have people who are promoted from a separate practice squad. And there's a limited number of people who are allowed to be in that practice squad. And then there are uh, players that are allowed to stay on something called injured reserve, meaning that they're still on the team, you know, it's still their spot and everything else like that. But they are separate from the um, kind of like the the roster where you have limited numbers that you can keep active in there. So if you say, you know, they're on injured reserve and you're graduating them from injured reserve, they're also likewise going to get, you know, another physical, you know, to, hey, are you ready to go kind of a thing. So who else is involved in the medical care besides docs? For a long time, I knew that athletic trainers were important to these sports, but I had no clue what a trainer actually was. You know, my my brain was just picturing somebody being like, work harder, lift more. <laughs> uh, right? That's, yeah, it's probably yeah, close. Yeah, it's a, um, but yeah, but you, you train the athlete. Yeah, it's, that it makes sense to me, sure. But in the NFL, the actual job of trainer is a professional who specializes in sports medicine, rehabilitative care, physical therapy or preventative care. So they're not all the same uh, specialties, but it they are all active professions that have a degree and they may have a degree in athletic training, kinesthesiology, or have trained as nurses before they moved on to sports medicine as a specialty. Yeah, yeah. So not necessarily MDs or DOs, but they are specialists in their own right. I'll tell you, Josh, as much as, you know, I prescribe physical therapy, um, I'm an infectious disease doctor. So sometimes I have kids who'll have a bone or joint infection and then they heal and they might need, you know, physical therapy after that. But the truth is the science behind how to get a person healed up you know, from an injury or an infection so that they can walk properly and move properly. That's kinesthesiology, the science of movement. And the science of rehab is its own particular field. And I got to say, outside of maybe physical medicine and rehabilitation as a specialty, not a lot of us know the nuts and bolts, whereas a physical therapist uh, or, you know, a sports therapist like this is a very much a specialist in this field. So now that we've talked about the people who get examined to avoid injuries and the Mm -hmm. folks who examine them looking for the injuries, let's talk about the injuries. And by the (laughs) way, who would you say right now is the most injured team in football? Right now, uh, I don't know. So there has been a running problem with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they've kind of been a little like a, like a poster child for this. We don't understand, honestly, if it's their training regimen or whatever it is. But last year, Josh, they were number one in the league. They were doing so, so well. And I think 
half to like three quarters of their players, you know, serially just like went onto, you know, injured reserve and that kind of a thing. They get hurt very frequently. Since 2009, it's been the New York Giants. Oh, oh, very interesting. Okay. They've, uh, now it, it may have changed in the last year or two because admittedly I am not keeping up with this a lot, but, uh, since, since around 2009, 2010, the Giants were at the top of the league in a category called man games lost. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and that was often due to people being on the injury list. Now, the most common injuries in football occurred uh, 51% of them actually occur at training. Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. So off-season injuries do happen. So, you know, after March, April goes by, there is training camp um, and what they'll call, you know, off-season training, conditioning, getting ready for the season. But yeah, it it is a very, you know, strange thing. I I think for whatever reason, actually, I, I don't know, a lot of folks will actually get hurt on the training field and then they'll be declared, you know, just fine, healthy, and then boom, training. (laughs) The next week they'll say, oh, sorry, this person got put on the injury list. Well, interestingly, a study was done that showed injury rates were reduced by wearing shorter cleats and by preseason conditioning. So, you know, training for training. Yeah, <laughs> it's super important. Um, stretching, so actually getting muscles, ligaments, tendons nice and loose, and then actually doing things like uh, working out neck muscles, you know, so that you you have good stabilization of the joints. Um, that one specifically is for concussion, but this is becoming more and more of uh, an emphasis in, in science, actually, as to how to keep people healthy. Overall, the injuries that do occur of these 51%, mm-hmm. lower extremity injuries are about half of all football injuries. Uh, most of those tend to be knee, uh, roughly 37% of them. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned it earlier, Josh, about the cleats, right? So cleats are pretty amazing for inline running, straight running, because they help you dig into your surface and basically provide a a nice push off surface every single time you need to, you know, move your foot. So all of your energy is being transferred forward and there's no slipping on the ground. Well, the problem with that is that if your cleats are long enough, they plant that foot into the ground. Now, if you try to move laterally, if there's any twisting motion to your knee, ankle, hip, you're putting all of those joints at risk. So the ankle takes the most uh, pressure, you know, because that's all of the weight above it, you know, if you need to twist, move and things like that. But because of how we tend to move, especially moving laterally, um, your knee really takes a ton of abuse. Now, you, me, you know, even if we're out of shape or in shape, that that's just fine. But think about a 250 pound human being in some cases, um, who can actually run straight, okay, they can cover 40 meters, in less than five seconds. I mean, they're that fast. So you can imagine the sheer forces that are going on in these joints. It's massive amounts of force. Of the upper extremity injuries, only about 30% of football injuries happen to the upper extremity. And most of those are sprains and strains, Mm -hmm. uh, about half, with fractures about 10% and just really bad bruises from aforementioned (laughs) 240 pound people hitting you about a quarter of upper extremity injuries. And then concussions are about 5% of the overall football injury world, but they're that real dangerous 5% that we didn't talk about for a long, long time. Yeah. And And we'll not be talking about today because we can dedicate (laughs) an entire episode to that alone. Yes, yes. And we very much do want to address traumatic brain injury. Uh, Josh, I know how much you love the P 
pugilistic arts as well. Uh, so boxing and MMA. But of course, those folks are actually su- subjected to the highest risk of repeated brain injury. And we can look to greats like Muhammad Ali, um, who suffered a unique form of Parkinson's, um, which was actually due to repeated um, head injury. Uh, but really, we needed more and more attention for these young men who were playing football, and they were cracking into each other. Aside from addressing, you know, the actual injury rates and, and understanding how often it happened, we've now been making advances in like rules, just how you say you're not allowed to hit a person a certain way. But yeah, that has meant that people are being tackled around the chest, being dragged down by the arm, um, around the waist. And so we're disproportionately seeing like a little bit of an increase in those numbers, which I guess is okay. Like you can fix a hip or a knee. It's much harder to fix a brain. This is the one place I think robots could take over, but they'd have to be remote controlled because the second you give a robot (laughs) the instincts of a football player... (laughs) <laughs> and set it loose on society in general. Yeah, I'll admit, there's where my fears about AI come into play again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this, you know, earlier about like you know the Terminators and stuff in the movies. Why would they be human shaped? And I think we came up with a more lewd answer. Um, but if we wanted pleasure bots, yeah, yeah, there you go, exactly. Which then came alive and started to kill everything. But if you had a sports bot and you wanted them to look more human because they're entertaining you that way, and then eventually they got sick of you know beating up on each other and turned on their human masters, but they had like AI, like they could steer themselves. You're right. You've just created a destructo bot and then unleashed it plus intelligence. That would be a dumb idea. <laughs> that, so, that, would, that would be a Bruce Banner and Tony Stark level stupid idea. <laughs> so I guess let's just leave football to the humans. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and make squishy bits a requirement to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, We want to, right? Because uh, aside from, you know, the thrill of the game, there's an entertainment factor, absolutely. But um, for the players themselves, uh, the athletes on the field, this is a chance for them to showcase, you know, their abilities to compete against one another. Um, They always talk about camaraderie, right? And so there is a really very human aspect to this game. And that kind of viciousness the the violence is a part of it so i think a lot of that would go away if these were like robots instead of human beings um but for that same reason let's take good care of them let's let's you know let's treat them like humans and that's it for this week now for you real uh texan cowboys and you patriots out there before you start raving about me about how many teams i may have missed i want you to steelers yourselves use your eagle eyes and uh see how many teams i managed to name this episode (laughs) go ahead and tweet them at me like some falcon (laughs) falcons don't tweet they cacaw no, that's a raven. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say, just being here with you, we were not able to pun on the 49ers. Because, like, how do you pun on a number? Like, I that's the only thing I don't know how to do. But I'm pretty sure you caught everybody. Or at least I did and you did. So... Go ahead and contact us through your social media method of choice. Links to find us are in the show notes, along with links to further reading about how we research this episode. Uh, This show, as always, is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. We love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. We do have an ad-supported tier now for only 5 bucks a month. You will get occasional bonus content like songs, extra interviews, 
I don't know, weird backstage conversations. What do you people want from us? We'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love me. <laughs> I, I'll i be whatever you want. <laughs> Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. <laughs> oh, God, what happened? <laughs> I blacked out for a second, Josh. What happened? and until next time as always wash your hands get your shots root for your favorite teams stay safe pick a fun country to travel to when you've done all that happy travels happy football people Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.